Hello and welcome to Nightcap with Jim. I'm the titular Jim, and tonight we have a new edition of Jim Goes to the Movies. Uh, we will be discussing primarily Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, before that, though, I have some uh, quick reviews because I've seen quite a few movies in the theaters since my last episode of Jim Goes to the Movies. Uh, so we'll just be uh, rolling over these first three really quick in one to three minutes, give or take. For more content you may enjoy, please check out our Morning Mangami podcast, hosted by the uh, wonderful Heath LeBombard, and our other social media content at Mangami Players across all the different social media platforms. Alright, let's get into it. Alrighty, so first up on our quick review hit parade, we've got Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Now, this, uh, I definitely want to talk about this movie more in depth, um, but uh, at a later date, you know, when these first, when these three uh, quick reviews come out on, like, DVD and stuff. Um, what I'll say right now is I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun ride. Um, the first Godzilla, uh, well, of this particular iteration of Godzilla, I should say, was uh, really awesome for me, and uh, I recently went back a couple of weeks ago and watched um, Kong Skull Island again. And uh, I really, really like this monster verse that they're putting together. It's really, really exciting, I think. And uh, I'm super duper um, psyched for uh, Kong versus Godzilla because I think that's going to be just insanity. Uh, I just really like how Godzilla is sort of this protector, if you will, um, sort of a figure, but he's not, you know, benevolent or uh, like kind to his subjects, us humans, if you will. Um, he doesn't really care about us at all. Like what, it's just like these monsters are trying to, you know, throw shade at him and he's like, I'm not having that. So he wants to mess them all up. <laughs> um, really cool movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely recommend, if you, especially if you like uh, big crazy action uh, and monster movies, um, definitely fits the bill for that. Um, this is uh, unique for me because this was actually the first time I've ever seen a movie in 3D. Um, and uh, I gotta say, I'm kind of being converted now towards 3D. Uh, I'll be honest, like, I've gotta, like, sneak in and see parts of it in 3D, just, like, see a scene or two before I am willing to commit to seeing the whole thing. Because I, I snuck in, saw parts of Avengers Endgame, and I was really um, impressed by that. And uh, this one um, wasn't quite as good with the 3D conversion, but it was still really, really, really great. And uh, um, I definitely want to see more 3D films uh, in the future. All right, so that's all I got on Godzilla for now. Uh, we'll be right back um, with the next quick review. All right, next up we have Shaft. Um, the, what can I say about Shaft? Um, it's awesome. You know, um, I definitely don't know if it's a movie for just, like, anyone, you know, like, um, uh, it's, it's definitely catered to, uh, audience with a certain taste, if you will, um, <laughs> but, uh, it was really enjoyable, it was a really fun movie for me, you know, um, I've been a fan of, of the Shaft, um, stuff, you know, since I was a kid, since, um, you know, Sam Jackson did his first turn as the character, and, you know, I love Richard Roundtree, uh, so, um, for me to see three generations of Shaft in one movie was just supremely enjoyable, it was, uh, just awesome to sit there and watch Sam Jackson, Richard Roundtree, and Jesse Usher, um, Shaft it up, you know, um, and I just love the tagline for the movie, you know, too much Shaft for you to handle, <laughs> uh, 
but it was just it was just a lot of fun the movie you know um i just loved seeing sam jackson get his shaft on because uh this is one of those characters that really just says whatever he wants to say and what he has to say usually involves the the, the f word (laughs) and you know sam jackson saying the f word is always a win so um it was just a lot of fun, you know, and then to see Richard Roundtree's, um, you know, the elder shaft, uh, the, just like the, co- the contrast, the differences between the three, um, shafts is just really cool. Cause you have all these, these three unique, um, and individualistic characters that all have their own thing about them. And, uh, that's what just makes it even more fun. You know, you get the, you know, grandfather, fathers and son, and um, they're all very, very different from each other, and um, it just makes this unique chemistry, and all the actors play well together really, really fantastically, so yeah, it was just a lot of fun for me. Um, I would totally recommend it, but you know, you just gotta understand, you gotta look up Shaft a little bit, you know, like you have to, (laughs) you have to read into the character a little bit maybe before you jump in, um, because some people maybe who are a little bit more conservative in terms of, you know, cursing or, you know, like, I don't like, you know, like, I don't like seeing nudity in films or, you know, whatever, you know, your particular tastes are, you know, this might not be for you. So just keep that in mind if, uh, if you hear this and you're like, oh, well, James said it, so let me give it, let me give it a look. Uh, but it is really fun. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's just a fun ride. All right, moving on to the next. And for the final quick review, we have Yesterday. If you don't know what this movie is, basically the premise is there's this struggling musician, and he's about to give up music, and he gets in an accident, wakes up the next morning in hospital, and uh, discovers that nobody knows who the Beatles are. So he decides he's going to start uh, playing their songs, um, and he uh, blows up and gets really famous. And so it's a kind of a uh, very interesting... Um, meditation, exploration of, you know, the the rise to fame and dealing with fame, but also dealing with being a fraud. Um, because, you know, none of these songs are his. They're, you know, John Paul, George, and Ringo, obviously. Um, it's a really great movie, though. Danny Boyle does a fantastic job. Um, the lead actor uh, is, is just phenomenal. Um, he can actually sing and play guitar, so uh, it just lends that authenticity to the character um there's actually a video of him they took him to abbey road studios and they shot a little video of him uh with a small backup band um performing yesterday and it's a really really great rendition of a very classic song so i recommend you like go on youtube or whatever and uh check that out um i just love what this movie did the i just the concept of the movie you know um and, and dealing with, you know, exploring, you know, what it's like to suddenly become really famous um, and everybody around the world knows who you are, but also this idea of, you know, examining um, being fraudulent and lying to people um, about stuff, even though technically it's not really, really lying because, yeah, he didn't write the stuff, but nobody knows that, you know? I mean, like, it's one thing if you went on stage and sung some obscure Beatles song that nobody really knows except for maybe the diehard fans and say that you wrote that when we all know who the Beatles are. But um, for nobody else in the universe to, in, in the world to know who the Beatles are for him to sing this stuff, like he could totally have gotten away with the with it for, you know, 
um, for the rest of his life if if he wanted to. And I just love the just the, I just love you know the the songs they chose and the cast they got. Lily James was fantastic. Ed Sheeran was great. Um, just it was just a really all around really good movie. Um, you know, as as the one as one critic said, you know, the feel good movie of the summer. Uh, definitely agree with that. Um, just love it from beginning to end. It was a lot of fun and uh, just a really kind of unique, interesting, original movie idea. Which you know, unfortunately, like <laughs> we don't get a lot of original stuff. It's all sequels and stuff nowadays. So it's it's great to see an original idea come up um, and have it be really great. Uh, so aces on yesterday. And that's it for the quick reviews. Hey, Nightcap listeners, this is Heath from the morning show Morning Mungamy. So if you want more Mungamy content and you just want to check out more of the Mungamy players, go over to Morning Mungamy wherever podcasts are streamed. That's Morning Mungamy. And we're a morning show, so uh, start your day with me, and you can end your day with Jim. Again, that's Morning Mangami, and you can find that wherever podcasts are streamed. That's M-A-N-G-A-M-I, players all condensed into one word. All righty, now we're here to actually have a a nice little bit longer review um, of uh, my favorite movie, of this particular group of films, which is Quentin Tarantino's newest jam, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, if you, if you, for some reason, are just like totally in the dark, or maybe you're a hermit who lives in a cave, or perhaps you've just come out of a coma, and you have no idea what this movie is, basically it's Leonardo DiCaprio, he plays this struggling TV actor who used to be a big deal, and now he's been relegated to playing the villain of the week, or the heavy as he likes to call it. Um, just bouncing around from show to show, uh, and uh, Brad Pitt plays his longtime stuntman, who and they've been working together for about ten years or so. Um, and you know, just once they started working together, they just wanted to keep working together, so uh, they just um, kept on. Um, and so Leo would just bring him. Uh, Leo's character, Rick Dalton, would just bring him um, to double for him all the time. Uh, now with the, with since he's been struggling a little bit and he's not getting a lot of work, uh, Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt's character, hasn't been getting a lot of stunt work either. So um, he mainly drives Rick Dalton, Leo's character, around um, to his meetings and to to work, um, and uh, kind of performs kind of odd jobs like a handyman sort of a thing um, for him because um, they're just really good friends and he's just a really good guy, uh, at least to Rick. Um, <laughs> as you could, as you see, as you uh, find out in the movie, um, when someone pisses him off, he's got no problem um, uh, throwing fisticuffs, as it were, around. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just really great. Um, you know, the chemistry between Brad Pitt and Leo is electric. It's absolutely incredible. You know, um, they're. I mean, you have you. You know, these are two of the greatest actors of all time, and uh, to get them in a movie, you know, as Quentin Tarantino said, it's the most exciting, exciting partnership since uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman, and absolutely true, and maybe even more exciting, to be quite honest, um, to see them and to see how they interact, their characters interact with each other and and with others, uh, was just so much fun. It's just 
undeniable joy that I felt um, watching these two uh, just master class actors work uh, together. And um, I just can't wait for their next um, uh, collaboration because it's going to be absolutely amazing, um, for sure, unless... For some reason, they both go insane and decide to work with you, Bowl. So, <laughs> um, Margot Robbie is also in the picture, and she is transcendent and magnificent as um, the uh, as uh, as uh, actress Sharon Tate. Um, now, some of you may your ears might have just pricked up there when I said the name Sharon Tate. If you um, follow. Like, if you watch, like, serial killer documentaries or stuff like that, um, and you'll know her name because she and a few people were uh, victims of the Manson family, the Charles Manson family, in quotes, air quotations. Um, and so this movie really plays off of what you expect um, in terms of, like, a movie versus reality. And... Uh, that's something that Tarantino does so deliciously well is to play with um, with history and you know change things around. Um, you know, Inglorious Bastards obviously is one of the best uh, is probably the best example of this. You know, with with the whole um, you know trying to kill Hitler uh, plot, and then you go to Django Unchained and you have this um, you know this slave turned bounty hunter. And, uh, you know, he's also, by the way, calling back to one of my quick reviews, um, Tarantino, in his mind, um, Django and his wife, Brumhilda von Schaft, um, are the grandparents to John Shaft. So, um, is it true? Is it not? Who knows, you know? Um, it, it, and that might be a little confusing to some people, too, considering that Sam Jackson, one of the actors who plays Shaft, is in the movie as not Shaft, um, so you know it's just it's just fun stuff like that that Tarantino does. Um, one of the coolest things is at uh, at my job, um, they gave us these promotional like magazines for the movie that are really cool. It's like a little uh, just a mini prequel kind of a thing. Um, that's just a magazine from within the world of the movie. Uh, with like Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth interviews with them talking about the latest film that they were working on before you meet them in the movie and then you know like an article on Hollywood nightlife and then like just the, like a like an article about a $50 haircut and shave you know and uh, these like fun little advertisements for stuff like a big kahuna burger you could get for a buck 25 and it's just like fun stuff that just like gets you into the movie and you can see Tarantino's handiwork all across the thing, and uh, it's just a lot of fun, you know, like, this movie is pretty much just, like, it's got the most pop culture references, like, ever, almost, <laughs> like, everything is a reference to something that is on the screen, um, sort of in one way or another, you know, just, like, how the industry, uh, like, how the movie and TV industry worked, um, you know, like, how, how this or that, and, you know, just, like, random stuff like over the end credits at the very very uh tail end of the credits they play a radio ad that adam west and i don't know the actor's name but the person who played robin in the original tv show batman um 
and it's them as their characters, Batman and Robin, advertising a uh, studio lot set visit. Um, if you can um, figure out the uh, um, the number to the Bat phone that Commissioner Gordon uses to call Batman and Robin um, to help them come to have them come come and fight crime. Uh, so it's just all kinds of stuff. It's it's it really is a love letter to Hollywood, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's not like uh, pulling any punches on any you know particular criticisms that um, uh, Tarantino might have with the industry itself, you know. But you can really tell, like, if you just watch this movie, you can just see a filmmaker who just loves this business and loves doing this stuff. You know, um, yeah, the thing of the matter is that he is who he is and he's a unique filmmaker and he, he's he's always done it his own way and he's become successful enough to where he can get $100 million to make a movie that nobody else in their right mind would ever think to make and no studio would ever sign off on. But because of his early successes with stuff like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, He's able to, you know, go and get a hundred million dollars to make a movie about, um, you know, a squad of Jewish um, American soldiers going behind enemy lines to uh, kill Nazis in the style of Apache warriors, and you know, make a movie about, uh, you know, get a hundred million dollars to make a movie about uh, a slave turned bounty hunter, um, you know, with Leonardo DiCaprio of all people as the villain, you know, saying the N word. Um, you know, something like the average is like one a minute, but obviously it's not one a minute because they're, you know, like clustered, but it's like 126 times the words used in the movie. So it's like, that's a lot, you know, like, you know, that's a, that's a, that is the record for the most usage of the, of that particular racial slur in a movie. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Tarantino's white. So, um, that's, that's just like crazy. Like, you know, only Tarantino can get away with doing that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you move on to The Hateful Eight, where you just got eight people, well, technically nine people, because um, they always forget OB, but, you know, nine people in a cabin, um, or a haberdashery, excuse me, uh, in the middle of a winter storm, and it's talking for, you know, two hours of the movie. It's just talking for, you know, and nobody else can get away with this kind of stuff you know and make it so good and and be so uh be such a critical and audience darling you know what i mean like obviously people out there are like oh my god there's so much talking we get it he likes dialogue blah 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 um and you know valid argument um valid criticism like there's a lot of talking but you know some of us uh just love that so much so um that's what makes this movie, though, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, really unique, is that um, there are sections of the movie that play like a silent film, almost, because if you just use relative comparison of, of you know, like something like The Hateful Eight or, or Inglorious Bastards or Django, um, that's just so chock full of dialogue, um, and you put it side by side with Once Upon a Time... It's it's just it's very minimal, you know. Like it's it's a very uh it's it's just a lot less dialogue, you know, and it's not as um kind of not flowery or uh fancy, but it just doesn't have that typical Tarantino flair to it, you know. It's it's a lot more grounded in reality. This dialogue um, for the for for the most part. Again, this is all comparative relativism, you know. 
Um, but it's just written in such a different way, but it's still written so, so amazingly well, you know? But the movie definitely, um, <clears throat> the movie definitely trades on its visuals a lot more than most Tarantino films have. Like, that's, that's, that is not at all to say that Tarantino does not have beautiful cinematography or just excellent cinematography in his movies, but, um, it just, what it, what it just means is that the, there's a greater emphasis on the visual, uh, this time around because of, uh, the lack, uh, of dialogue. So, um, it just, it just has this totally different feel to it, and I love it, and it's fantastic, and, um, you know, I don't do spoilers, but what I will say is, if you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely go see it. Um, be warned, it is almost three hours long, but I don't care. For me, it went by like that in a flash. Um, but uh, just be aware of it. Uh, but you should definitely check it out, and uh, I will say this about the third act. Um, it does not end the way you think it will. Or even, like, if you, like, posited or hypothesized um, or just came up with any kind of crazy theory you possibly could in your mind, that's not what you see at the end of this movie, and I love it, because it didn't, uh, it, the ending totally took me by surprise, um, and it was just absolutely amazing and fantastic, and I, I cannot wait to see it again, because it blew my mind, um, and, and just the general structure of the film as well is really interesting, um, which I will talk about at a later date in, 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 you know, greater detail when I do my, you know, big Tarantino episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, just to wrap it up, like, it was just, it was just so much fun, you know, um, so, so, so much fun, you know, the cast was inc incredible, um, even, you know, these really big names, um, that are, you know, just there for a couple of scenes or one scene or something like that, like Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen, he's just there for a little bit, um, Emil Hirsch, uh, was great, you know, um, Michael Madsen got thrown in there, um, Zoe Bell, who, uh, was the stunt double for Uma Thurman on Kill Bill and has been in every Tarantino film since, um, and she was also the stunt coordinator for this movie, which was really awesome to see, um, you know, Kurt Russell's in the mix, uh, just so awesome. The only thing I've heard negative about this movie so far I mean, besides the normal, like, old people grumbles coming out through, like, oh, that movie was terrible, and and whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, was um, the daughter of Bruce Lee did not like the portrayal of her father in the movie, um, and I just want to touch on that for just a second, because, um, absolutely, you know, you're totally, like, totally entitled to your opinion about it, but... What I feel like you have to remember is that nothing in this movie is really portrayed as, like, 100% accurate. Um, and you have to remember, too, that the scene that involves Bruce Lee uh, turns into a fistfight with Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth is a fictional character who did not work on um, the Green Hornet television series back in the 60s, you know? And uh, Tarantino definitely did a lot of stuff to make sure you understood that this is not really Bruce Lee, you know, like the real Bruce Lee. Like, this is Tarantino's Bruce Lee. And I don't think that he was trying to be um, insulting, intentional, or accidental to the real Bruce. 
Um, for instance, like he's got a different hairstyle than Bruce actually um, had at the time of the Green Hornet. Um, and I believe that because the movie takes place in 1969 and um, the TV show Green Hornet, I believe, was shot a little bit earlier. So he's he's definitely he's still playing with with history and and making it different and altering um, historical facts and events um, for, you know, at, uh, for, 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 for his purposes. Um, so to have Cliff Booth get in a fight with Bruce Lee and, you know, go toe to toe with this guy who, who's pretty legendary in the martial arts, uh, in martial arts circles, uh, I think is just a way to establish Cliff Booth's character as opposed to trying to knock Bruce Lee down a peg, you know, so that's all I'll say about that, I, I, uh, for now anyway, um, I, I'll get into, you know, I'll get into greater depth of it, like I said, when I have my big old Tarantino episode, but, um, but great movie, absolutely amazing, one of my favorite Tarantino flicks of, you know, uh, out of all of them, you know, and, uh, uh, obviously I'm a huge Tarantino fan, so, you know, um, the only time, like, the, th- the time that you would, like, re- your ears would probably really prick up is if I was like, I don't like that Tarantino movie. Because <laughs> I'm such a huge Tarantino fan. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but I don't even care, you know. Um, I just love it so much. I just love what he does, and uh, it just bums me out that he says he wants to uh, hang it up after number 10. So, um, we probably just have one more Tarantino film in us and who knows what it's going to be. Like there's been all these rumors flying around of, Oh, it could be kill bill volume three could be a star Trek movie. Um, you know, who knows? Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But once upon a time in Hollywood was absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to see it again. Um, can't wait for Tarantino's next, but we probably have to wait another three or four years for it. Uh, so, um, let's strap in because, Right now, we just got these nine, and that's it. So, (laughs) all right, that's going to do it for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Stay tuned, and I'll be back in a moment to talk about Hobson Shaw. All right, we're back, and here we are to discuss Hobbs and Shaw. I probably should have taken this sip of water before I started recording, but... I got really thirsty right there. And I could totally stop the recording, you know, um, delete and just start over so I didn't have that interruption. But, um, you know, I'm feeling it right now, so I'm just going to go with it. Um, hang on. Another little sip. Hang on. Uh, okay. <laughs> See, no, like, I, I really could. I totally could just stop recording, delete this, and start over again without those two interruptions that we just had. But you know, um, I just want—I just want to keep it, just because it's gonna make me laugh. And if it makes me laugh, then maybe it'll make you laugh too. Who knows? Uh, anyway, Hobbs and Shaw. So I just got back from—I literally just got home um, uh, from the theater after seeing it, and uh, wow, <laughs> was it cool? Um, it was just, it was just a lot of fun, you know, uh, being, uh, uh, such a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise as I am, um, 
having seen the uh, relationship and the chemistry between Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham and their characters in uh, the eighth uh, in Fast and Furious Eight um, was just one of the most enjoyable parts of that movie. Which, you know, overall was really, really dark. And so for um, these two guys who, you know, in the movie previous were just straight mortal enemies, you know. Uh, it was really cool to see what they did to, you know, make them come together, uh, you know, to work together as, a, as teammates and such. Um, so that was cool to see that, you know, kind of budding relationship start to blossom in uh, Fate of the Furious and uh, you know they're still not on the greatest of terms when we open up and meet them um, in this movie but uh, uh, you know it's 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 the you know classic buddy comedy um, action comedy sort of setup uh, so and it and you know it's a very classic trope a very classic genre of the uh, action adventure film um, you know, category, uh, but, you know, hey, man, if it ain't broke, you don't gotta fix it, you know what I'm saying, so, uh, it's just a really fun time movie, you know, just a really cool, uh, real funny, lots of great, great action, really cool action stuff, um, great villain, uh, great, you know, bad guy organization type of thing, just everything about it was, uh, was aces for me, um, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, they're uh, absolutely fantastic uh, together, and their characters uh, work really well together. I mean, in terms of just, like, how, uh, you know, diametrically opposed they are, uh, so it's just, like, they go together really well in an entertainment uh, sense. Um, in terms of them being a good team, um, eh, at the start, you know, it's a little rocky at the start there. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, the classic buddy comedy thing, um, so, it's, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles and overcoming, you know, grudges and, uh, 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 you know, bouts of personality and, and such, so, um, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun. Uh, Idris Elba, wow, you know, I mean, you know that he's always gonna deliver in terms of performance, you know, just acting stuff. Uh, but he doesn't really do a lot of action stuff, you know, um, but, God, I really hope he does more, because he is so freaking good, you know, like, I mean, he's, he's getting on, he's getting up there in terms of his age, but, like, he's pretty spry, you know what I'm saying, like, he does a lot of his own stunt work in this movie, I mean, you know, what, what he can do, considering he's not actually a cyborg, um, <laughs> Um, by the way, so yeah, let, I should probably have started with this. Uh, so, like, if you don't know the movie, uh, like, what it's what it's going on, it's uh, Hobbs and Shaw from the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Shaw, you you may know as uh, Deckard Shaw, who uh, came in at in the seventh movie as the big bad, and then they brought him in for the eighth movie uh, to help track down one of the rogue um, members of the of the good guy team. Um, if you haven't seen. Uh, Fate of the Furious, I don't want to spoil for you, but I mean, I don't even know why that would be a spoiler, because the movie's been out for a long time, and it's in the trailers, so it's like, if you were like, I've never seen Fate of the Furious, and James makes it sound really good, maybe I'll watch the trailer and see what's up, and then you'll see, like, who the guy is, so, but you know me, I don't like spoiling anything. Anyway, 
So, um, so after Fate of the Furious, they've parted their ways and they've gone back to, you know, do what it is that they do. Um, Hobbs being a DHS agent, um, and the, uh, quote, best tracker in the world. He could find anybody anywhere. And, um, uh, so he's back doing that stuff. And then Jason Statham's, uh, Deckard Shaw, he's, uh, kind of back in, in, in sort of in the good graces of the government agencies agencies out there, so, um, he's kind of financing a little bit, so he just, you know, they, so he just they kind of gets a call whenever, uh, they want to put him on a job, and, uh, so Idris Elba's big bad guy, uh, you know, there's this virus, and it's gonna kill a bunch of people, oh no, and, um, uh, uh, there's an MI6 agent played brilliantly by Vanessa Kirby, who you might recognize from Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, and, uh, She's got the virus. Idris Elba's Brixton character Brixton wants the virus. Deckard and Shaw have to not let that happen. And uh, off we go to the races with just this crazy, insane action stuff directed by the masterfully directed by, I should say, masterfully directed by, the uh, very extremely amazing and awesome David Leach. Lech? Leach? Leitch? I'm still not getting... Okay, someone's got to... I, I need to hear his name said out loud, for real. Um, <laughs> but you will know him as the director of such uh, action fare as John Wick 1, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, um, and uh, and I believe he's in talks to do a... Um, the a, 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 a Tom Clancy's The Division movie. So that would be really cool. And Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain... Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, so, <laughs> so this movie's just, it's just really cool, you know? Uh, and, you know, the classic uh, Fast and Furious, where we are now with the globe riding and the great cars um, and the, the just crazy uh, Just everything about this movie, for me anyway, was just, uh, was, was, uh, was a success. Um, the comedy is great. The chemistry between... Dwayne and and Statham and uh, and their characters is uh, is electric. You know, just the way that they are on screen together is just absolutely fantastic. I think it's one of the most exciting um, buddy action comedy team ups um, in a long time, and uh, um, for me in, anyway, ever in my lifetime um, and and before, I just really uh, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, how they, how the actors work together and how their characters interact with each other. It's just so much fun. And, uh, and then the way that, you know, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby's character and Idris's character fall into it as well. Um, I'm not gonna say who it is, but there is a big A-lister who comes in for a little bit of, um, for a little bit of, uh, kind of, not um, comic relief because it turns out you see at the end of the movie that this guy is actually a badass. Actually, sorry, there's two A-list, so a little like kind of cameo, uh, like there, but it's a repeat cameo. So it's like the first guy is in like two or three scenes, and then the uh, second guy is in like two scenes. But two, these two, you you'll know who they are when you see them, like because they're two of the biggest stars in the world. But David Leach just somehow got these two guys to uh, just show up for, you know, a couple of days to uh, shoot a couple of things. And uh, it's just so cool, um, you know, that, that these two guys... Because 
it kind of the the way that their characters are are in the film is that it kind of sets up expectation for them to be a bigger part of Hobbs and Shaw too. If we get one, which I really hope uh, that we do, because the, I mean the movie's doing good as far as I know. Um, I didn't I haven't seen the critical reviews of it yet, um, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's doing all right. And uh, it was just really really cool, you know. Like I've, I've, everybody I've heard uh, has been saying good things about it. And um, I just really want to get more of Hobson Shaw because, I mean, if you know anything about the Fast and Furious franchise, there's this whole, you know, drama with Vin Diesel and, and Dwayne Johnson. Um, so that's kind of why they did the spinoff. But, uh, you know, as far as spinoffs go, this, is, this is, was absolutely fantastic. And um, I can honestly see this kind of taking over for uh, Fast and Furious because uh, I think they said they're going to stop after they do the 10th one. Um, and uh, they have started production on nine, so uh, we probably only have two more Fast and Furious movies left. And then um, I kind of hope that we just get like four or five Hobbs and Shaw adventures because that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a really good, awesome, kick-ass, action-packed, buddy action comedy. Just absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Can't wait to see it again. Um, is there anything else? Oh, uh, you're going to want to stay if... Uh, I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to, but there is an end credit scene after the credits play, which is very, very funny. Um, and there's a callback in it from uh, that you know calls back to a conversation at the top of the movie um, when they're trying to recruit... When, this, when the one guy I told you about with the like three or four scene cameo, uh, he uh, calls back to this really funny thing um, from <laughs> from earlier in the movie when he's trying to get Dwayne Johnson's character to uh, take uh, to take the assignment, um, so you know if you want to sit through the the uh, credits, it's not it's honestly they're they're it's like four or five minutes of credits, but you know it's up to you if you don't want to just wait till it comes out on DVD then you can skip right through, um, but it's really funny it's really awesome. Uh, anything else? Anything else? Oh, uh, so one of the things that. I was very happy to see, because I, I usually don't look too hard at, you know, um, like the IMDb pages and stuff like that when it comes to, like, who's working on the movie um, before I go see it. Uh, usually, sometimes I do. But um, Chris Morgan, who's the writer, the like the kind of lead writer and one of the producers of the Fast and Furious franchise, um, did the story and also produced Hobbs and Shaw, so... Keeping it in the family, which I was really uh, appreciative of. Um, Chris Morgan's kind of been like the showrunner, if you will, like, uh, um, like you know, like how a TV show is a showrunner. Um, so he's kind of been the one that's you know kind of the uh, gatekeeper of mythology, if you will. That's been you know writing a, you know all the movies for quite a while, and I think since like the third or the fourth movie. Um, but uh, yeah, he really he really keeps it all together. So I was really happy to see that he um, had a part in making this movie because uh, I mean, look, he's no Bill Shakespeare, he's no Quentin Tarantino, but who is? You know what I mean? Um, he just writes really solid characters and creates really solid characters, and um, you know, and then hands them off to really great actors, great directors, and let them and just you know. He basically just is like he's he's the kind of guy who just like builds playgrounds for for adults, 
you know, to go and play in. And, uh, and I really like that about Chris Morgan. And I'm excited to see what he does outside of Fast and Furious, because uh, I haven't seen anything that he's done just yet, and I think it's because he's pouring all of it into Fast and Furious right now. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does after Fast and the Furious, um, since he'll have all this, you know, clout, this, uh, you know, goodwill um, from all the, uh, you know, money that he's made the studio <laughs> with these crazy car movies uh, with, you know, just insane action stuff um, and whatnot. Uh, anything else? Anything else? No, I think that's it. Yeah, that's, I think that's it. Um, yep, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I got for Hobbs and Shaw right now. I'll probably be talking about it again in the future, um, especially when I do, like, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'll talk about it in, like, a, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna bore you guys with that. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's a really good movie, um, if you get a chance, I'd totally recommend go checking it out, uh, it's just, like I said, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and that's gonna do it for, uh, for me tonight. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really, uh, I, I wanna, I hope you enjoy kind of, uh, the, the new way I'm trying to do the Jim Goes to the Movie stuff. Um, I know that the pre, like, a lot of the previous Jim Goes to the Movies episodes are so long, as I said earlier. Um, so I'm trying to keep them, I'm trying to get it, my episode times, um, down, keep it, you know, short and sweet, no, no fat on the, uh, meat, um, because uh, that seems to be uh, working for me so far <laughs> for for the past few weeks, uh, but yeah, um, uh, I just you know, I just I hope you guys you know <laughs> still like what I'm doing. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, it means a lot to me uh, that uh, you know people keep tuning in and checking this out. Uh, it's really awesome. Uh, so thank you again for listening. Um, Please check out our morning show, Morning Mangami, with host Heath LeBombard. If you like this show, you're going to like his. Uh, his show's really great as well. Um, check out our social media stuff at uh, Mangami Players. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, uh, I think our SoundCloud's up? Maybe. We might be on SoundCloud. I'm not sure. I have to double-check. I probably could have double-checked before I did this episode. But I'll know for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll know for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, you know, again, thank you so much for listening. Um, check us out at Mangami Players across different social media. Check out Heath's show, Morning Mangami. Check out our YouTube and Instagram and social media stuff. Um, it's, it's really cool. Uh, thanks again so much for stopping by for a nightcap. Have a, uh, a very nice night. Or morning. Or day. Whatever the time may be. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good morning. Good day. The Nightcap with Jim podcast is a Mangami production, hosted by James Smith, produced by Heath LeBombard and James Smith. For more Mangami content, visit Mangami players all across the social medias.